0: Always your haunted host, Luce Tomlin Brenner. This is a year-round Halloween history and storytelling podcast brought to you by our very own Patreon Ghoul Gang. Welcome to Small Frights Friday. On these very special episodes, I like to share a curated selection of calls from the All Hallows Hotline and letters from the Eek mailbag. With the 31st creeping up upon us and the veil getting thinner every moment, we've been gathering loads of new lanterns on our porch. We're absolutely thrilled to our bones to have you here lighting up our cozy evening. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome. And if you haven't yet, I do encourage you to start listening from the beginning as the episodes do build on each other. But before we dive into today's show, I want to welcome our newest ghoul gang members, Marion and Ivar. Thank you for ensuring it's always Halloween stays ad-free, independent, and sustainable. It's truly the most spine-tingling time of year to sign up, and we've got lots of events still coming up in October, including our book club discussion of the Halloween tree, which is coming up this Tuesday, October 24th at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. After... We discuss the Halloween tree. We will be watching the Hanna-Barbera animated feature, so you can join us for both, or you can pick one or the other, so we discuss the Halloween tree from 6 to 7, and then we will watch it from 7 to 8.30. This is available to our homemade popcorn balls levels and up, and then next Thursday, we are watching the 2007 anthology horror film Trick or Treat, which... I have actually never seen and I have had on my list forever so I'm very excited to get to watch it with so many ghouls who I know absolutely love it and have been encouraging me to try it so this will be a fun experience to have a new Halloween movie that I haven't had a chance to dive into yet. At our movie party screenings, I always put together a half-hour pre-roll show of themed fun videos, and then I jump on and I give a video introduction of the film with a little background trivia and history, and then there's a chat where ghoul gang members and myself can talk throughout the film if we like, and at the end I jump back on to give a little farewell wrap-up talk. So these movie parties are a really fun way to engage with me and your fellow lanterns and learn a little fun film history as well. There are several tiers on Patreon with spooky opportunities to connect with me and your fellow lanterns, including our Discord and our blog. So head on over to patreon.com slash it's always Halloween to start on the freaky fun and please help us keep the porch lights on. Now let's give one last cackle of appreciation for our newest members, Marion and Ivar, and of course, the entire Patreon ghoul gang who keeps us alive and on the air. The Lantern's Way, our Halloween, is printed and we have gotten to see it ship all over the world. And it's so exciting to see it in your hands and see you taking it to cemeteries and uh, gatherings with your friends and parties. So it is going to be available indefinitely. If you didn't pre order, don't worry, you can still get volume one and volume two. And they will be up on displaced snail.com until probably the end of the world. So you've got time, but why not get them now so that you have some cozy reading while you still have a couple weeks left of this spooky season? Displacesnail.com or check the links in our show notes. They will take you right there. Very curious to know how you guys are celebrating this season. I had a very fun, spooky weekend. I was in a Halloween-themed sketch show at the Pack Theater, which is a small comedy theater here in Los Angeles, and fellow Ghoul Gang member, Lisa, uh, wrote and directed and hosted this show, and I got to play various parts, including a... Live Mermaid, who was unveiled as the secret ingredient in Iron Chef Tampa. Um, And so I was trying to get the audience to save me before they murdered me live on stage. Then on Sunday, I got to go to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery to see the new film Totally Killer with Kiernan Shipka. I did not realize that it opened... On Halloween night and the whole movie is around Halloween it's super fun there's tons of great decor in every frame there's Halloween parties there's trick-or-treating I found it to be very funny very light Uh, it's definitely a slasher so there is some stabbing violence in it but I would say it's on the more bearable side also a couple of like boo-ah jump scares and I did cry out a couple times, but it's, it's, it's a horror comedy for sure, and it's definitely more of a comedy than being really scary. I also thought it was very sweet, and it uh, made me miss my mom. So if you're looking for a kind of a light but still spooky and Halloweeny themed film, I definitely recommend it. I had a really good time seeing it with my friend Rachel. Of the podcast Inside the Disney Vault, you can hear us talking about Halloween Town on uh, one of those episodes from a couple of years ago. She also had this; she's a podcast queen. She also has a a podcast called You've Got Hanks, that's about all of Tom Hanks's films, and I'm on a couple of those episodes. And then this is the mix, which is a uh, playlist podcast, and I was on a couple years ago to share my Halloween mix. Rachel's a huge fan of Halloween, and she thought of me to take me to the screening. So thanks, Rachel. I had such a great time. And we actually have a call later in this episode about somebody who also got to go to the cemetery to watch a film recently. But first, I would like to open the eek mailbag and read you this first letter that's in response to last week's episode. The subject line is superstitions. Hello, Luce. I was listening to today's episode, Whistling in the Dark, and I wanted to share some superstitions that my family follows. You mentioned knocking on wood in the episode, and my family does that constantly. I have taken to doing it a little too much lately, and I've even gotten a ring made with wood and acrylic, so in theory, I'll always be knocking on wood even if there's nothing wooden around me. Here's a more obscure one that no one else I know does. Touching blue when you pass by a funeral home or a hearse. The idea behind it, at least as my mom explained it to me, is that you don't want to be the next body in the home or hearse, and somehow touching a blue object or article of clothing is supposed to prevent that. Like I said, I don't know anyone else who does this. I thought maybe it was an Italian thing or an Italian American thing, but other Italian Americans I know have never heard of it. One more, and this one I know is an Italian thing, and it's also prevalent in other cultures as well, is the eyes, aka the evil eye, but my family really just refers to it as the eyes. Apparently, you give someone the eyes if you compliment them without saying, God bless you, which in turn leads to them getting a headache. Then there's a very complicated prayer ritual thing, which to me seems like some mixture of old Italian witchcraft and Catholicism that one has to do to cure someone of having the eyes. This ritual can only be passed down on Christmas Eve. My grandma tried to teach it to me one year, but uh, like I said, it's very complicated and I forgot how to do it. Whoops. (laughs) Happy Friday the 13th, Gianna. Gianna, thank you so much for this glimpse into your family superstitions. I found it super fascinating, especially because while I had heard of the evil eye, I have never heard of touching blue. And so I went on a deep dive looking for this superstition to be discussed anywhere, or I could track it down to a cultural history. And the only thing I found was this young adult book called Touch Blue by Cynthia Lord. And it's about superstitions. And here it says that the superstition is touch blue and your wish comes true. Why take a chance says 11 year old Tess Brooks, especially when it's so easy to let the universe know what you want by touching blue or turning around three times or crossing your fingers. So this book is about a girl who. Uh, is trying to save her island's schoolhouse because if it closes, she'll be forced to move to the mainland of Maine where she doesn't know anybody and she's never lived anywhere else before. I think I called this young adult, but I think it's more of like a middle reader chapter book. Anyways, looks very cute. We love Maine here on the podcast, but I cannot find... Anything else (laughs) about touching blue, the closest thing I could find to blue and funerals was a tradition in Chinese culture, where apparently the color of clothing that you wear to funerals is very important. Only the deceased's spouse, children, and daughters-in-law can wear black because their sadness is thought to be the greatest sadness. But if anyone else wears black, it's considered very insulting. Grandchildren of the deceased wear dark blue, and great-grandchildren wear light blue. Then after that, there's siblings, cousins, aunts, uncles, they can all also wear light blue. But anyone else attending the funeral has to wear bright colors, even white, to signify that their relationship to the deceased was not as strong as that of the closer family members. Red is not worn because it's the color of happiness, and it's worn at weddings. So... (laughs) The only blue here would be the blue worn by uh, grandchildren and uh, lesser relatives of the deceased. So it doesn't seem like it has anything to do with luck as much as it has to do with delineating your relationship to the person who has passed. An interesting cultural tradition, no doubt, but not exactly a superstition. So if anyone out there knows about touching blue and you can help us trace where this might have come from, we would be eternally grateful. And then I loved hearing more about the evil eyes, or as your family calls them, the eyes, which I really like, also known in Italian as the malocchio. In addition to what you taught us, Gianna, I also learned that it's considered to be bad luck to say when you're having a good time, because that can also lead to the malocchio and open you up to being cursed. So if you're admitting to having a good time, someone's like, great, I'm going to take that away from you with my eyes. Really loved hearing about this specific ritual that can only be passed down on Christmas Eve. Very fascinating. I'd love to challenge you to try to learn it again so that you could come and teach it to all of us because we don't want to be cursed either. I'm curious to know, Gianna, if your family is weird about Friday the 17th, which is Italy's own superstitious date. And it's why that you will rarely find the number 17 on Italian planes, streets, or in hotels, similar to what we were talking about with the 13th floor here in America, or the 14th floor in China. And 17 is an unlucky number in Italian because of the Roman numeral XVII, which is an anagram of VIXI, which means I have lived, which is considered... Or can be considered a bad omen because of the past tense I have lived, pretty much implying to superstitious Italians that death is just around the corner. So maybe you run that by your family, unless you're like, they're too superstitious as it is, and I don't need them to freak out about another new thing. <laughs> this was a fantastic email and I loved reading it and learning from it. Thanks so much, Gianna. I'm recording now on Tuesday, the 17th, hoping that it's a very lucky day for you and everyone listening to this Hopefully Not Cursed episode. Next, a call from the All Hollows Hotline. I will say my name is Ebar.
1: I started listening to podcasts last year and I was waiting to call in until I'd caught up but then I was so inspired by all the other callers and the questions that I started making a list of things I wanted to talk about and it's getting very long so I'm calling now and I'm going to start going through this list um so first I want to say that I've always loved Halloween even when I was a kid and I always loved really spooky stuff um even though I was super scared of spooky stuff and my parents took us to church every Sunday growing up and so my mom was like not into Halloween and especially like the demonic costumes and stuff. We were not allowed to wear that type of stuff. So I think that partially influenced why I'm so into it now. But even as a kid, I would try to get away with whatever I could. And I tried to convince my mom to let us wear our Halloween costumes to church even. (laughs) which she said no, but she made a nice compromise and she let us, bring our teddy bears, me and my sister brought our teddy bears in that we dressed up in Halloween costumes. <laughs> um, and then I was, uh, I had a book buddy when I was in elementary school. It was like the system where you had an older kid read stories to you. And I would always ask them to read scary stories to tell in the dark. And then I would always get terrible nightmares and be so scared that my mom talked to my book buddy and forbade them from reading those books to me. But then I would just sneak them anyway and and beg her to read them to me. Um, And so I was really scared of scary stuff until, like... Two years ago, and then I kind of suddenly just could watch pretty much any horror movie and not be too scared and just enjoy it. And so since then, I've been getting even more into Halloween and horror movies and horror video games, because I love video games also, since I've somehow switched from being very scared of even things that are a little bit scary uh, to being not too scared by them anymore. I have been binge-watching tons of horror movies and horror games, and uh, I was wondering if that's happened to anyone else, any of the other lanterns out there. As an adult, they switched from having a very low scare threshold to a very high scare threshold, because I found that very strange. <laughs> and I don't know anyone else who, who has, that's happened to. Um, so, some of my wrecks are Dracula and Goodwitch for things that aren't too scary but are definitely good Halloween vibes. And then um, I also wanted to say that I moved to Davis uh, three years ago. And Davis is very good about Halloween stuff in general, because there's tons of pumpkin patches and and corn farms out here and So they do it right. And there's trick-or-treating is going strong here. And my nephews are here. And my older nephew is about to turn eight. And he is super into Halloween. I think I'm proud to say that partially because of my influence, he's super into Halloween stuff. And he's going to go to his first haunted house with me this year. And I am so excited to take him and I will call back and tell you how it went. And I have so much more to say, but I will share another time. So much love to you and all the other Luce Lanterns out there. Happy Halloween.
0: Ivar, thanks so much for your passion and calling in, and thank you for just joining the Ghoul Gang. We're excited to have you here, and we appreciate you helping us produce this episode. So it sounds like you are in the right place, a huge Halloween fanatic, and I love, I can really relate to you being scared as a kid, so I love this um transition that you went through of like yes being scared as a kid and then getting really into it as an adult because that's very much my journey as well although I do have a line with horror movies that there's certain levels of like violence that I'm not as into I like horror that's more fun haunted house like very campy and hyperbolic Things that are more grounded in reality, trauma and grief and realistic torture, not for me. So I'll binge it if it's a little goofy. I will watch it once and then take a long break if it's very serious. Always great to hear from people with the scary stories to tell in the dark trauma. I feel like that older kid could have been me since I was a child. I've been trying to get other kids into these books, including when I was a long-term nanny here in Los Angeles. I would always introduce those books to kids around Halloween. So I'm doing the good work of your book buddy in the year 2023. Love that you get to take your nephew trick-or-treating this year. And speaking of Davis, they have the world's largest corn maze. And two weeks ago, Isaac and I were uh, visiting our best friends, Chip and Casey, fellow lanterns up in Sacramento. And the four of us went to this corn maze and it took two hours and 15 minutes to get through it. I would say for about 30 minutes, we decided not to use the map, but then using the map while it made us figure out how to get out still took us about two hours (laughs) and Casey had to dip about halfway through because not only was it very long and arduous, but it was like 90 degrees outside, not autumnal at all. And so she just like beelined straight out of the corn (laughs) and back to the parking lot, which I do not blame her. And I got in this mindset at some point where I had to finish it because I wanted to be able to be victorious on the podcast and say I did a over a two hour corn maze. (laughs) So... I definitely got a sunburn, but I also got pumpkin pie. So it was kind of a draw, <laughs> but I do recommend it if you want to do something that really pushes you. <laughs> and if you're like map oriented or directions oriented and the idea of like sussing out the world's largest corn maze sounds fun. I, it was very satisfying when I finally ran out of the exit screaming, it felt good. <laughs> So, Ivar, you'll have to let us know if you want to try the corn maze, and I recommend it. Again, if it's something that uh, you guys feel like you can handle. Not scary, just uh, mentally taxing. <laughs> okay, our next eek mail has the subject line, in while you work. Happy Friday the 13th, Luce! As I was thinking back on previous year's Halloween festivities, I found myself reminiscing about the most epic Halloween celebration I've ever seen or experienced at a place of business. I worked for almost eight years at a company that did subtitling and dubbing for movies and TV shows. For me, it was always a fun place to work. While many of my coworkers were American, we had several employees from all over the world, which made for some very interesting conversations. And back in 2018, the entire office came together in the name of the best holiday in the world Halloween! At the time, I was one of the language supervisors, and my team was trying to come up with a fun group costume for the annual office Halloween party and potluck. Every year, the office would put up some decorations and invite employees to bring their favorite spooky dishes to share with everyone. Costumes were, of course, strongly recommended. And after the potluck, everyone got a chance to show off their looks during the costume parade. My team decided we would dress up as Victorian ghosts, photo included. We wore old-timey clothes and picked out a different means of death for each of us. One had been hanged, one had their throat cut. I was really dedicated and shaved ha <laughs> and shaved off half my beard so that I could apply a burnt flesh prosthetic to my face since I had died in a fire. Wow, that is very dedicated. <laughs> We got really into our backstories, but something was missing. Two of my fellow supervisors felt the costumes weren't enough. They wanted to do something more, something better, something bigger. Before I knew it, they were telling me about how they convinced the HR department to agree to an all out Halloween takeover of the office. We encouraged all the departments to decorate their areas and cubicles with their Halloween best. Funny, scary, gory, weird, anything and everything was welcome. Then, on Halloween Day, people would be given a trail map with the location of each decorated destination where they could collect candy supplied by HR and admired their coworkers' creative spirit. Once the announcement went out and people found out there would be a winner for best decorations, things became very competitive. Every team or department wanted to have the best decorations and win the title. I wasn't sure how many of my international co-workers would want to participate in this over-the-top Halloween celebration, but I'll admit that I was pleasantly surprised by the overwhelming response and enthusiasm. Our team chose to build a makeshift haunted house on top of our cubicles with PVC pipe holding up black trash bags and duct tape. Inside we added wallpaper props, lighting and effects and after many many hours of hard work we had a haunted house. The European language team turned their area into a biohazard zone with everyone in hazmat suits and dry ice smoke billowing on the floor. The Japanese team covered their cubicles in bloody strips of fabric, long strands of black hair, and mutilated doll parts. <laughs> the media department had Michael Jackson's thriller playing on loop in 3D with blue and red glasses and everything. But the finance department went all out with a full walk-through maze experience, complete with scare actors jumping out at you. And when my coworkers and I walked through, we actually screamed out loud. Needless to say, they won Best Decorations. On Halloween day, not much work got done. People brought their kids to trick or treat through the office. The potluck and parade went off without a hitch. We all had fun and didn't care about our projects or deadlines. Everyone put so much time and effort into their dishes, their costumes, their decorations. It was really a special experience. Just the other day, I reached out to some members of my former supervisor team asking for any footage from that year. They all answered me immediately with amazing photos and videos like it had just happened yesterday. It seems this day was special for them too. And if it hadn't been for the efforts of my two co-supervisors, none of it would have happened. This was a a once-in-a-lifetime event that was never repeated. I feel so lucky to have been able to do something like this at work, to share my favorite holiday with people from so many different countries. As it turns out, people all over the world love Halloween as much as I do. You can check out some of the highlights in the YouTube video I put together, linked below. Happy Halloween month, everyone. Diego. Diego, this story is so beautiful and just the epitome of the podcast and what we all are trying to do in our own little worlds, I think, is spread immense Halloween cheer to our communities and everyone we interact with. I think it's so great that you worked at a place that really appreciated the creativity and spirit of the season and said, yeah, for one day, we don't have to work on deadlines. Like we can have a nice time and just enjoy each other's company and this special tradition that we celebrate in our culture. I think it's really healthy to do those kinds of things in a workplace. I watched the video. It's really impressive. You did a great job describing it, but honestly that one haunted house that one I can see why they did because the video goes in there and it seems like a legit haunted house. <laughs> they got it really dark in a typical office that has the overhead-like fluorescent lighting. So <laughs> it was really amazing. And they had their computers... Screens had like a Samara from the ring on them and they were like flashing and scary looking really great job everyone did utilizing the office aesthetics to help them amplify the scares and overall creepiness. So I will link that video in the show notes for people to see and put the pictures up on Instagram. It's always Halloween podcast on Instagram. And I thank you so much for sharing this lovely story with us. And I really like, you know, you hit on something interesting here. It was a once in a lifetime experience. You didn't repeat it again. And I think that that's okay. Of course, we love traditions, doing the same thing every year, having a party every year or having a movie night every year. But I think it's nice to stay flexible and allow things to be really special because they happened once and we might miss that or wish we could recapture that. But oftentimes it's so hard to repeat something that comes along that's so unique that then trying to recapture that and not being able to quite hit it will end up being like more depressing. (laughs) And I life in general is ephemeral. And I think that it's healthy to have an experience, have it be amazing, love it, maybe even wish for it to happen again, but to just let that be this one-time thing, it makes it a little more special and it gives us the creative space in our brains to always be thinking of new ways to celebrate and reach out to the different communities we're surrounded with as time moves on. Thanks again, Diego. This was truly such a delight and I would love to hear from your fellow lanterns what kinds of ways they've been able to celebrate Halloween while at work. I myself have not worked in an office since 2010, but the last office I worked in I was there for 2 years for two uh, two Halloweens. And we did, you know, we always dressed up on Halloween and we had a little costume party and a little Halloween party in the, um, you know, main room where the big table that everyone sits at is conference room, I guess. It's been a while. <laughs> uh, and those, I do have like fond memories of me and my uh, best friend at the time, Aaron, uh, dressing up and kind of playing hooky from doing our responsibilities all day because it was Halloween, of course. And, uh, the CEO of that organization, she was a huge Halloween fan and she would decorate her entire house and turn the house into like a whole theme. And she'd have these big Halloween parties every year that were The whole staff was invited to. So it was very cool getting to work at a workplace that valued Halloween. But I know that's not the case for everyone. So it might be up to you out there to bring in that Halloween cheer the way that Diego and his co-supervisors pushed for it. All right. Our next hotline call is partially in response to... Our Small Frights Flickering Lights episode from a couple of weeks ago, uh, Karina called in from Colorado to ask how to balance decorations for Halloween with Dia de los Muertos. So I hope you're listening, Karina, and anyone else who was fascinated and had questions about this issue as well. Please uh, enjoy this call from your fellow Lantern Rosa. <phone rings>
2: Hi, Luce. This is Rosa, the Pumpkin Queen on Instagram. My voice is a little bit um, rough because I actually am recovering it after a mm-hmm. fun weekend at uh, the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. I actually attended recently for a screening for the Adam Family Values movie, which was absolutely amazing. And since I am very crafty, um, I actually made some skull. Um, I had bought in a skull pan, like a 3D one, and I made pizza pocket skull shape. They were delicious. I also um, made some little jack-o'-lantern pumpkin hand pies, which were absolutely delicious. Um, But overall, I absolutely enjoyed my time um, watching the movie at the cemetery, which was a, a pretty spooky experience. I loved it. Um, also, I would like to say happy birthday to the, to the Scorpios now that we're going to go into the Scorpio season um, as of next week. My birthday is on the 24th, so I'm definitely excited to be celebrating uh, my birthday. Um, also, I didn't meaning to call in because I would like to speak about Dia de los Muertos. Um, I know I've spoken to you personally, um, regarding if I could call in um, and give a little advice. I know somebody had recently uh, called in and wasn't sure when to set up um, their altar or their ofrenda um, because it, it is literally right after Halloween. Um, but I just tend to kind of set mine up, just a little section at first, um, just to get it started. Um, a few days before hallo- Halloween, probably around the 27th, 28th, um, and I start out with um, the pictures of my loved ones who have passed away some um, some or marigold flowers. Um, also, my mom has always told me that it's important to put a little bit of water. So I always do a little cup of water and a little bit of salt um, in my ofrenda or altar. And the water just represents um, our lost, uh, our loved ones who have um, come back on this journey, and they're going to be thirsty. And the salt actually symbolizes like purification, um, as well as gives the spirit strength. Um, and little by little, I start adding things like drinks that they um, enjoyed while they were alive or little snacks or my son adds a few pieces of his Halloween candy. I like to make my um, ofrenda or my altar very colorful with papel picado, um, which is uh, um, the little decorated um, paper cutout. Um, also sugar skulls. Um, I just make it very lively and colorful for them because um, I know they say that they come and enjoy whatever is um, offered to them. And, of course, we always remember them. Unfortunately, this year, um, I did lose my grandmother, and that was my last grandmother who I'm um, actually named after. So she's going to be added into the year's of de Los Muertos. Um, but, um, it's never too early, um, to set up your Dia de los Muertos Altar or Forenda and, um, just put, put a lot of love into it because I know that you're going to appreciate it. I'm sorry that I'm getting very emotional, but, um, it is very emotional for me. Um, also, happy Halloween to everybody and, as I always say, stay spooky
0: rosa wonderful to hear from you again this was so fascinating and super helpful thank you for calling in and sharing what you do and i would love to see your altar i know you're a fellow socal lantern so maybe i'll have the opportunity this season i love that you got to go to sinespia to see the adams family I was obviously already gushing earlier this episode about how much I love Hollywood Forever and Cenespia. and I know I've talked about it on the podcast before because it truly is my favorite thing to do in L.A., and it's super fun as soon as the uh, weather starts to get cooler to be out there amongst the gravestones watching scary things. I hope you and your lovely little boy, River, have the best Halloween possible, and I look forward to hearing more from you soon. Thank you for this very important call with super helpful information and all of the spookiness you've brought us. Up next, an eek mail with the very apt subject line, Small Frights. Hi, Luce. I'm just now finding your podcast, and I'm absolutely in love with it. In one of your Small Frights episodes, you encouraged business owners to reach out to promote their stuff. Well, my love for Halloween inspired my small business, the cuckoo bin. I hand crochet all of my plushies that range from poppets to creepy bunnies, pumpkin dolls, mummies, witches, trick-or-treaters, and more but I'm also happy to make custom dolls. I love the podcast and behalf of all of your listeners, thank you for the hard work you put in. It does not go unappreciated. Brandon, oh, Brandon, this is so fun. Uh, he's linked his uh, Etsy shop here, the cuckoo bin. So I will put it in the show notes so that you guys can get some spooky poppets for your very own. And I put some pictures in here as well so I'm going to share those on the Instagram and yes we it's very important to me that we support our fellow lanterns and a lot of you are makers and small business owners including in fact uh, Rosa the pumpkin queen who just called in before this I will also share her business in the show notes as well because I do want all of you if you're looking for little Halloween gifties for your friends or you want to treat yourself. Uh, I think it's the best thing you can possibly do is to support other artists over corporations. So thank you, Brandon. I'm so happy you found it and enjoying the podcast. And I hope that we can get some lanterns to your shop. If you out there want to share your shop or your spine tingling stories, your Halloween traditions, your superstitions, or just any questions you have, please call into the All Hallows hotline at 802 532 dead, or write me that email at it's always Halloween podcast at gmail.com. As I said at the top of the episode, if you love it's always Halloween, please subscribe at patreon.com slash it's always Halloween, or you can make a one-time donation using our tip jar. This episode was written, produced, and researched by me, your forever haunted host, Luce Tomlin Brenner. With help from the Patreon Ghoul Gang and your fellow Lanterns, Brandon, Rosa, Diego, Ivar, and Gianna, this episode was co-produced and edited by Greg Nussin. Great job, Greg! Our theme music was written by Pete Burns, and our podcast art is by Rose Fedick. Special thanks to our Grim Turns Nathan and Tom. You can follow the show on Instagram at It's Always Halloween Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at ltb comedy and Greg on Instagram and Twitter at Greg Nusson. If you're listening to us via Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and write us a little five star review so that other like minded lanterns can find us. Reviews are a free and easy way to help us out, and we appreciate everyone who has taken the time to do so because you have made a huge difference in getting other people to find us. Our newest one has the subject line of Keep Those Spooky Vibes Happening, and it uh, the writer has a really great name, Phantasma Di Note. They write, I came across this podcast at the start of the hot weather here in Florida, i.e. March, (laughs) and it was the perfect solution to help uplift my autumnal soul. I started listening for the Halloween history episodes, but quickly grew to enjoy the Small Frights episodes, which are more frequent, community-oriented, and focus on our modern Halloween culture and experience, effectively documenting history as it happens. I have seen a handful of reviews that complain about Luce's personal opinions. <laughs> Frankly, I don't agree with her on everything LGBTQIA rights and recognition, fully on board, anti-capitalism, not so much. <laughs> But, but, uh, sorry, I was cracking me up, but, and I know this is a hot take for some of you, believe it or not. It is not just okay, but in fact, healthy to expose yourself to viewpoints that may differ from your own. I have always found Luce to come from a place of love, inclusiveness, and community first and foremost. And I would hope these are traits that we should all aspire to embody. Please don't let the naysayers spoil your enjoyment of this podcast and the amazing community that she has created in such a short time. We may just be starting to see a hint of fall here in Florida, but hey, what does that matter? After all, it's always Halloween. This was such a fun review. Thank you so much. and. I don't remember if I've specifically said that I'm anti-capitalist on this podcast, but maybe it's just very obvious. (laughs) Anyways, you're a delight, Phantasma. I feel like you really see me and that you really get The objective of this podcast, I love how you wrote that the Small Frights episodes effectively document history as it happens. That's exactly how I've been thinking of it as well, and the importance of personal history as uh, a part of the larger international history. Thanks again for taking the time to write such an in-depth and thoughtful review, especially speaking to some of the meaner reviews that we've gotten and the reason why... I now make Isaac and Grimturn Nathan look at my reviews and I don't actually look at them anymore. So this one uh, just really made me smile, thanks so much. We are also on the NPR One app, so subscribe to us there and tell Ira Glass that you love us! Thanks so much for listening to yet another episode of It's Always Halloween, and please come back next time, unless an innocent work party makes you watch The Ring and now you have less than seven days.